This Choircast podcast episode is brought to you by Divine Echoes, Reconciling Prayer with the Uncontrolling Love of God. How the heck does petitionary prayer work in a world where there's so much suffering and evil? Is praying for others just a religious, superstitious practice that does nothing at all except make the person praying feel better? If we don't pray for others, does God allow them to get sicker, lose potential rent money, and suffer in their addictions? Is that who God really is? Can we engage in prayer that is more effective, less harmful, and doesn't make God look like an unfair, stingy, and fickle jerk? If you are looking for a pioneering book on prayer that is thought-provoking, challenging, and endorsed by some of today's most well-known authors and scholars, then Divine Echoes is the book for you. My name is Matthew J. DiStefano. I'm an author, a columnist for Pathios, a podcaster, social worker, a musician, and the best part of waking up, other than like a thousand things that I can think of, is listening to Keith over a second cup. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Second Cup with Keith. I'm your host, Keith Giles, author of the best-selling Jesus Un series of books, including the upcoming book, Jesus Unarmed, How the Prince of Peace Disarms Our Violence. I'm also a podcast host of several other podcasts, including this one. Also the founder of the Square One online course and community for people who need help going through deconstruction, moving into reconstruction, but want to do that without self-destruction. In today's episode of Second Cup, I want to talk about something really important, and that is the gospel. Now, you would think that this is a really, maybe even a boring topic because, hey, we all know what the gospel is, right? Well, surprisingly, you know what? A lot of Christians, I would say, either don't know what the gospel is or at least disagree on what the gospel is and how to communicate it. Now, this is a fundamental problem, as you can imagine. Understand that if, if you communicate the gospel in a different way, or if you share something as the gospel that isn't really the gospel, well, you're inviting people to come into a version of Christianity that might not really look like what Jesus was inviting people to in the first place. So this question is a, such a fundamental question for us to answer. We need to know ourselves, what is the gospel? I mean, what is it? Can I even just explain it to myself? Can I explain to, you know, a stranger, uh, hey, here, what is the gospel? Well, here's what the gospel is. So, as I said, there's a whole lot of disagreement about that, as I've talked to Christians over the years. Sometimes I'll even just ask people, I'll just ask followers of Jesus, what is the gospel or how would you communicate the gospel? And when I do that, I get all kinds of different answers. I get everything from God is love, Jesus loves you, Jesus died on the cross for your sins, all kinds of things. Now, all of those things are true. We're not saying that those things are not true. What I'm saying is those things are not the gospel. So as an example, if I ask somebody, what is the gospel? And they said, Jesus rode into Jerusalem on a donkey. That is true. He did. We can read that in the gospels even. But is it the gospel? Well, no, it's not the gospel. It's just something that we, it's a detail. It's a fact of an event that happened in the Gospels, but it isn't the Gospel. Now, I would say that the majority of Christians that I've spoken to who really do believe that they know the answer to this question, what is the Gospel, oddly enough, tend to get their answer to that question not from Jesus. 
and not from the Gospels. <laughs> and uh, that right there should make us pause. Wait a minute, what's going on here? Why would you turn to some other book in the Bible other than the Gospel to define the Gospel? Well, I would say that's a problem. And that's why I think it's important for us to have this conversation here on the podcast. So I think, again, fundamentally, if we're going to answer the question, what is the gospel? I would encourage you in your, in your study and in your search to answer that question. Number one, how does Jesus answer that question? I think if we try to answer that question by quoting anybody else, we're moving away from Jesus, and we're moving away from what it means to be a Christian. So I would say the way to answer that question, what is the gospel? Well, let's see what Jesus says the gospel is. Because if we turn to one of the four gospels, that by the way, they're called the gospels, right? There's the gospel of Matthew, the gospel of Mark, the gospel of Luke, and the gospel of John. And it shouldn't surprise us that if we turn to one of those four books, and we listen to what this guy Jesus said, that's the best place to find the answer to the question, what is the gospel? And if we do that, here's what we'll find. In Matthew chapter 4 and verse 17, from the mouth of Jesus, he says, this is the gospel or the good news. That's what gospel means, good news. In Matthew four seventeen, Jesus stands up and says, repent, the kingdom of God is at hand. This, he says, is the good news. And in many other places, in Mark chapter 1, verse 15, Jesus says, the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. In Matthew 12, 28, he says, the kingdom of God has come upon you. In Luke 17, 21, he says, for indeed, the kingdom of God is within you. And Jesus is constantly saying in the Gospels that the good news of the kingdom is that the kingdom of God is upon you, is at hand, and is within you. This is the only definition of the gospel given to us in the gospels out of the mouth of Jesus. So that should be the end of our podcast, right? We should just say, well, thanks for listening, everybody. We're done. Well, I wish that were true, but we're not. The reason why we're not done is is because there are a whole lot of Christians out there with a whole lot of influence, with mega churches of thousands of people, television, radio, podcasts, with hundreds of thousands, some of them millions of followers and listeners who are proclaiming a gospel that doesn't sound like that. It's not the gospel that Jesus says. It's not the gospel that, that Jesus proclaims in the gospels. I would say that's kind of concerning. So what gospel are they preaching if they're not preaching the same gospel that Jesus did? Well, a lot of Christians tend to define the gospel by something that Paul says, meaning they turn not to the gospels of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John to find out what the gospel is, but they would instead turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 15. And there they would say, this is the gospel. Now, before we look into what that verse says, again, let's just stop and think about this. So, Jesus shows up. We read about him in these four books called the Gospels. 
Jesus proclaimed the gospel. He even says it's one of the reasons he came was to proclaim the good news. And yet, we're not turning to any of those books to define the gospel. We're not turning to Jesus himself, the one that we're following, and worshiping, to get our definition of the gospel. Why are we turning to a letter that Paul wrote to a church in Corinth many, many years later to define the gospel? Again, I would suggest that doesn't make a lot of sense, or at least it should make us pause and say, is this the right way to do this? Is this what we should be doing when we're looking through the New Testament to find a definition of the gospel? Well, let's just look at what it says. In 1 Corinthians 15, 1 through 7, here's what Paul says. Now, brothers and sisters, I want to remind you of the gospel I preached to you, which you received and on which you have taken your stand. By this gospel, you are saved if you hold firmly to the word I preached to you. Otherwise, you have believed in vain. So right there, I'm going to stop. He does say, I want to remind you of the gospel I preached to you, which you received and on which you have taken your stand. And then in verse 2, he says, by this gospel, you are saved. But he doesn't tell us what it is. He's reminding them that he's already preached the gospel to them. And he's just saying, hey, I know you remember what that gospel was. And then he goes on in verse 3. For what I have received, I passed on to you as of first importance, that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures, and that he appeared to to Cephas, then to the twelve, After that, he appeared to more than 500 of the brothers and sisters at the same time, most of whom are still living, though some have fallen asleep. Then he appeared to James and then to all of the apostles. So here's again something that I I think we should note, that in the first two verses, Paul affirms that he did preach the gospel to them, and he just reminds them that he did that, and he wants them to remember it. In verse 3, he describes something that he says is first importance. And then he tells us about the fact that, yes, Jesus died for our sins according to the scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised again on the third day, and that he appeared to Peter and to the twelve and to five hundred of the brothers and sisters and many others. And so, again, I'm affirming all of those things, of course. All of those things are true. Yes, all of those things happened. But is that suddenly the definition of the gospel? Because if it is, that's a different gospel. Again, let's just think about this. Did Jesus walk around preaching a gospel that said, hey, everyone, this is the gospel. This is the good news. I'm going to be crucified, and I'm going to rise again the third day, and if you believe in me, you'll go to heaven. Again, I'm not saying that isn't true, but I'm saying, can we find any verses in the gospels where Jesus says, this is the gospel, and then says that the gospel is that he's going to be crucified and die and rise again? Well, the answer is no, we can't. If you find one, please let me know. I'd love to see it. I'm not saying that Jesus doesn't predict that he's going to be crucified. Of course he does. I'm not saying that Jesus doesn't predict that he's going to rise again on the third day. Yes, he does. Those things are true, but Jesus never says, and that is the gospel. What, again, we see Jesus saying is, this is the good news. This is the gospel. The kingdom of God is at hand. The kingdom of God is within you. The kingdom of God is accessible to you and me right now. That is what he says is the gospel. And another quick clue you can, you can look at in the, in the gospels to determine whether or not, whether the gospel that Jesus was preaching was all about his, you know, crucifixion and resurrection 
or not, is that there's a place in the Gospels where it says that Jesus sent the disciples out two by two, and he stayed behind. And he sent them out, it says, to preach the gospel. So if you've read the gospels, you know the answer to this question I'm about to ask you. Previous to the crucifixion, did his disciples understand what he meant when he told them that he was going to be arrested and crucified and that he would rise again the third day? Or do we see that every single time Jesus mentioned that to them, their reaction was confusion? They didn't understand it. They didn't even believe it would happen. Peter even said, not so, you know, Lord, I won't let this happen to you. And Jesus had to rebuke him. So it doesn't make any sense that if that, if that message of Jesus' crucifixion and resurrection was the gospel, if Jesus sent them out two by two to preach that gospel, that was a gospel they didn't understand or believe. You know, we see them completely rejecting that idea that Jesus would be crucified and rise again. And again, doesn't make any sense for these guys to go out two by two into the countryside, walk into a village and say, hey, there's this guy, Jesus, over there. He's sitting on the hill. You can't see him. But he told us to come tell you that in a few days he's going to be arrested and crucified by the Romans, but he'll come back to life in three days. I think people would look at them and say, so? What? What's that? <laughs> Again, this isn't the gospel. It's very, very clear all through the gospels what Jesus says the gospel is. It's this good news of the kingdom, that the kingdom of God that they have all been waiting for is here now, and it's accessible to everyone right now. And it's good news for us today, too. We don't have to wait until we are after we're dead to experience the presence of Christ, the rule and reign of God in our actual life right here and now today. That is the good news that Jesus preached. So by sort of splitting the gospel into, well, Jesus preached it this way in the gospels, in Matthew and Mark and Luke and John, but over here in 1 Corinthians, Paul preached the gospel a different way. It sort of creates a false division. In fact, I there are, believe it or not, some Christian denominations that preach exactly that. They say, we don't follow Jesus, we follow Paul. Paul is the one that gave us the gospel, not Jesus. And I uh, find that very problematic. I, I don't agree with that. I do not think that is the message of the gospel or of the, of the scriptures, and it's certainly not the opinion of the early Christian church fathers. It's, so let's, first of all, let's not pit Jesus against Paul, as if Paul preached something different. Now, if you want proof that Paul did not preach a different gospel than the one that Jesus preached, which is the gospel of the kingdom, we have nine different examples of when Paul says that he preached the gospel or the good news of the kingdom. In Acts chapter 14, 22, Paul says, we must go, go through many tribulations to enter the kingdom of God. In Acts 20, 25, Paul says, I, Paul, have gone, gone among you preaching the kingdom of God. In Romans 14, 17, Paul says, for the kingdom of God is righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. In 1 Corinthians, the same place that some Christians believe uh, was the, the book that we first heard what the gospel was, in that same book, 1 Corinthians, but in chapter 4, verse 20, Paul says, For the kingdom of God is not a matter of talk, but of power. 
Again, in the book of Acts, Acts 19.8, Paul, it says, Paul entered the synagogue and spoke boldly there for three months, arguing persuasively about the kingdom of God. In Acts 28.23, it says, he, Paul, witnessed to them from morning till evening, explaining about the kingdom of God. And from the law of Moses and from the prophets, he tried to persuade them about Jesus. In Acts 28.31, he, Paul, proclaimed the kingdom of God and taught about the Lord Jesus Christ with all boldness and without hindrance. And again, in Acts 29.25, it says, Now I, Paul, know that none of you among whom I have gone about preaching the kingdom will ever see me again. That's a whole lot of examples of Paul telling us, here's what I preach. What I preach is the kingdom of God. What I preach is the gospel of the kingdom or the good news of the kingdom. And by the way, going back to Jesus as someone who was the one who gave us this gospel of the kingdom, what we see also is that even after the cross, so even after Jesus is crucified and rises from the dead, Jesus still continues to preach the kingdom of God. In Acts chapter 1 and verse 3, it says that after his suffering, Jesus presented himself to the disciples and gave many convincing proofs that he was alive. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days and spoke about the kingdom of God. And so Paul and Jesus both preached the exact same gospel, the gospel of the kingdom of God. By the way, it wasn't, of course, just Paul. We see in the book of Acts that Philip and the other apostles also taught the good news of the kingdom. Why? Because that was the gospel. There was no other gospel message. In Acts 8, 12, we read that when they believed Philip as he proclaimed the good news of the kingdom of God and the name of Jesus Christ, they were baptized, both men and women. And if you want to continue your study, you can just search gospel of the kingdom, good news of the kingdom, or kingdom of God uh, on a Bible search like Bible Gateway, and just look at all the different times that Jesus and Paul and the other disciples preach about and teach about the kingdom of God. Why? Because it was the gospel. There's references in Hebrews 1.8, Hebrews 11.33, Hebrews 12.28, James 2.5, 2 Peter 1.11, Revelation 1.6, etc. The gospel message is what Jesus says it is, and it is what Paul and the other disciples continued to preach long after Jesus had been crucified and rose from the dead. And it was this incredible message where Jesus tells us to metanoia, that's the word repent. It doesn't mean feel sorry for your sins. It means stop and think differently. Change your way of thinking. The kingdom of God is not over there, out there, someplace you go after you're dead. Jesus says, no, the good news is this. The kingdom of God is here right now. The door is open to you right now. You don't have to wait until after you're dead to walk in it, live in it, and experience the incredible wonder and beauty and peace of living in the kingdom of God with Christ as your king, following the teachings of Christ, who is your Lord, and experiencing this beautiful reality of the kingdom of God in your life today. That is the gospel. That's the gospel that Jesus gives us in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. It's the gospel repeated by Paul at least eight or nine times in his writings and in the book of Acts. And it's the gospel that the early church preached as well. The good news is that the kingdom of God has come, and it's open, wide open, and accessible to all of us right now today. The way we enter that kingdom 
is to take the crown off of our head because we don't, we're no longer in charge. We submit ourselves, we surrender ourselves and our lives to the wisdom of Jesus. We say, Jesus, we think you're right about who God is. We think you're right about who we are as humanity. We think you're right about our fundamental problems in the world. And you're right about the solutions to those problems. And because we believe all of those things, we are going to bow the knee and bend our heart and live and walk and live in the kingdom of God that you have shown us is wide open for us to experience right now today. And I hope that's encouraging to you. I hope that we can hear a message like that and recognize that it is good news to us, right? It is this beautiful idea that we are not separated from God, right? We're not waiting really for anything to happen. We are already welcome into the presence of God, into the kingdom of God, into the love of God that we know nothing will ever separate us from because God is love. And as it says in 1 John, God is love and all who live in love live in God and God lives in them. That's great news, isn't it? I hope that's encouraging for you today. And I hope you have a wonderful day and a great week ahead of you. And I can't wait to talk to you next time. Thanks so much.